All right, I reckon we'll get started. Well, good morning, everybody on Facebook. Unfortunately, we got to do it a little different this morning, so this is just as hard for me as it is for everybody else to stay out of church, but we want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence. This morning, we want to, uh, I've been holding off on this for Ever since all this stuff started, and I I haven't really come out and done any type of a a public voice um, in reference to what we are actually uh, experiencing um, today in the the country, and I've done it for a couple of different reasons. Um, One, I wanted to make sure that I was... um, bringing forth a word that, one that always promotes hope and promotes faith and uh, another to make sure that I'm attacking what we should be attacking. And I believe that what we have this morning and what we're going to be dealing with is meant just for that. And it's meant to attack fear, but also to promote faith. And uh, this morning I've got a message that's entitled, Transparent Fear. And uh, if any of us are honest with each other, we, there's been a time in our life that we have probably either come across a circumstance or we have um, met up with some things in our life that have been contrary to what the Bible has told us, um, what pastors preach. Um, so we, we're, we're faced with opposition, and a lot of the times, if we aren't careful, we allow fear of what is happening in the natural to, I'm not going to say overtake, but basically to guide our decisions and oppose our walk of faith. So this morning, I want to hit on that pretty heavy, and we'll try to uh, attack this thing so that we can get the church back to where the church, I believe, where the church needs to be because I've heard different things um, promoted by churches and some saying it's it's God's judgment, others are saying this and others are saying that and I just want to make sure that we're on the right page here. So you don't actually have to have your Bibles, but if you are sitting at home in your loungy clothes and you've got your Bibles close, you can grab them and let's go to... Uh, I'm going to start with 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. And this is, this is what it says, and I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. 
And it reads, And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Father, this morning I ask that as we come together as a body, Father, we come together in spirit. Even though we're not able to, to commune with one another and touch one another, and Father, we're still together with you in the spirit. And Father, this morning I would ask that the words that you have given for this day and for this time, Father, that it would penetrate the hearts and the minds of your people, not only of your people, but the people, Father, that are on the outside. Father, your word is meant as the gospel. It's the power of God. So, Father, this morning we want to proclaim that gospel, and we want to draw those, Father, that don't know you and don't recognize you, Father, as the God, the one and only God. Father, I would ask that their hearts, Father, also be melted by your word, and, Father, that you would draw them to you, that they, too, may come to know this peace that we'll be speaking of this morning. And Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, there are times and seasons in our lives that we're faced with circumstances that would be considered um, more or less unfavorable. Circumstances that seem to be, well, overwhelming. And circumstances that present themselves to be basically more powerful, circumstances that causes fear to rise up, circumstances that are much like what we face today in what we're actually walking through. You know, it seems as though there's, there's no answers and it appears that things will get worse before they get better. There's mass hysteria all around us. People seem as though they are preparing for the apocalypse. All of this brought on by fear, fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty. This is why it's so vital that we are close to God in the good times as well as in the bad times, that we don't go chasing him down when it gets bad because we're already with him. We don't have to worry about running to him and asking questions of what should we do when in most cases his peace has already rested on us to the point to where we don't have to feel as though we need to chase him down. See, when we have a relationship with Christ in our everyday life, such like we're experiencing now, it should be of really no surprise that we would be shaken or that we would come across something that would shake us. The Bible tells us in John 16, that these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But however, you know, the fact of the matter is that 
One time or another in our life, we've all been approached by fear and we've all had to set and handle fear in our own way sometimes. And the problem with the church is that if we aren't careful as Christ's followers, we too will begin to suffer and to be under the hand of this thing called fear that we all are uncertain of. But fear, fear we need to understand as an emotion. Fear is not something that just, um, fear is not given by God, number one. The Bible says that um, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a, a spirit of love and, and of power and of a strong mind. So we should first understand that when we experience this type of fear, that this fear doesn't come from God. So we ought to automatically begin to attack this thing that which stands in front of us. Oftentimes we lose sight of the truth because of the facts that we see in the physical. See, there, there, there's times that even, even in this scripture with, with the servant of Elisha that he came out, the Bible says that he woke early and he, he went outside and he looked around and everything around him was surrounded by the enemy. And it caused his emotion to get rattled by fear and, and fear began to overtake his faith. See, a lot of people feel and believe that fear is a lack of faith and when in fact that's not true at all because doubt is the opposite of fear. So when we're facing fear, it's not that we don't have faith. I mean, I keep going back to the thing of Peter. When Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, I'm for certain that Peter faced some sense of fear, but he allowed what he knew. He allowed his faith in Jesus Christ, the one that he decided to follow, he allowed that portion of his mind and of his heart to overtake the fear, the emotion of fear that he was experiencing on the inside. And he stepped out when Jesus said to come to me, he stepped out on faith. He did not stay behind and, and clench to fear, but yet he decided to step out into faith. So based on the facts, this this servant of Elisha, he, he superseded, or his, his fear, he, he, allowed, he allowed what he saw in the natural to overcome and to overtake what he should knew, what he did know in the spiritual, and that was God was with them. But based on what he saw, he began to be blind in what he knew. And oftentimes as Christian people, we can find ourselves in that same Situation. We can find ourselves in that, in that same point of despair because the facts are this or the facts are that. It's just like this servant. The facts were that when he came out, he seen all of these people. He seen the armies. The facts were that he seen, he seen, or he saw that everything about him was, was overtaken by the power of this, of this army. He, the facts were that if this army was to attack, based on the physical that they would overtake him and Elisha. But the problem with that whole thing, that whole scenario was when he began to recognize the facts and when he began to focus on the facts, he forgot about the truth. And then he goes and he, he takes off and 
you know, he, he goes to Elisha and he says, Alas, my, my Lord, my Lord. And he's, he's screaming at Elisha. I can just see Elisha now. I'm sure Elisha was probably still all curled up. The, um, the Bible doesn't say that he woke him up. The Bible doesn't say that he was with him or that he wasn't with him. The Bible didn't say whether Elisha came out and whether or not Elisha saw what the servant saw. But the Bible did say that Elisha answered him and said that there was more with us than there is with them. So I, I can just imagine how this went over with Elisha. I can, I can just see Elisha maybe even turning over and going, you know what, I don't even need to go and see. And that's probably sometimes the way we should be as Christians, that we don't even entertain what the facts are. And a lot of the times that because we do entertain those facts, we start to lose I don't want to say we start to lose, but our faith becomes waned by the power of fear. And if we can stay and maintain focus on what we know versus what we see, the Bible says that we're to walk by faith, not by sight. And maybe Elisha, he already understood that. He already knew that. So him just answering this servant in the way that he answered it, I thought was kind of cool. But even knowing that how this servant was, and it's not that the servants, his fear wasn't that it was, that it wasn't unjustifiable, because his fear was justifiable. He saw something of a great multitude. He was scared, and we've all have been there. No, it's not that your fear isn't justifiable when you get a prognosis or a diagnosis. It's not. It's not that your, your fear is not justifiable because of everything that's going on with this pandemic. And, and it's not that your fear isn't justifiable. It's that it shouldn't be allowed to overpower our faith in such a way that it would shape our responses. And, and I believe that's what we face even today. Our responses as a, as a church body, our responses as Christ's followers have, have now become responses due and based on fear, not on our faith. Now, I'm not saying that, that we don't look at things and, and we act on wisdom. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that what we're going through isn't, isn't something of a, of a higher level of intensity. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that our walk through all of this should be a walk of faith and not of fear. That's why I call this, this whole message transparent fear. Because we should be able to see through our fear and be able to recognize our faith. Not seeing what is there in front of us, but seeing what is beyond us. He goes to Elisha and he tells him all that he saw. Elisha jumps up or rolls over or whatever and he addressed this issue and he tells this servant that Everything's going to be okay because he's, he's got faith in God. He, he's got trust in God. And, may, and maybe, that's some, maybe that's a good point for us, too, to understand. That there, there are times in our life that when we are faced with fear, that we should automatically begin to start understanding and recognizing those times of when God. 
Those times that when God came into your house and you knew that the hand of God was in your home and that the hand of God delivered you from a circumstance, that you were financially distraught and God's hand stepped in and took care of you financially and when you had a diagnosis and God's hand stepped in and took care of the prognosis. And when we, when we can get our minds and our hearts focused around what it is that, that we understand and that we know of what God is and who God is and what he does for us, that should increase our faith. And it's not to allow fear to overwhelm us in such a fashion that doubt begins to creep in because doubt is actually the opposite of faith. Remember when we were talking about how fear is an emotion and it causes us to respond sometimes in a way that faith would not. The psalmist would say this, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So it's not that you'll never be afraid. And it's okay to be afraid sometimes. But when you're afraid, you have to begin to automatically attack the fear. And you can't, you can't overcome or you can't defeat anything you're not willing to face. And if you won't step out into the face of fear and begin to, to, to remember those times or to set your face on the things that lie before us and what God has promised us, and another good couple of points here is that when the servant went to the prophet and asked what, should, what they should do, and Elisha told him, and he prayed that God would open his eyes of understanding and his spiritual eyes opened when they were blinded by his physical sight. First off, this, this servant went to the prophet have you, have, you, have you recognized in, in what's taking place today that people that have uncertainty, people that are walking in fear, people that may have some belief but have more doubt, or some people that have faith and have little doubt, but where do they turn in the midst of chaos? Where do they turn in uncertainty? They all will almost always come running to God. So there is something here to be said about this fear. Can fear regenerate faith? I mean, what we see with people, man, when, when people are down and distraught, they're running, they're looking for that hope. They're, they're, they're looking for that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's time that the church would stand and become the prophet. And that it begins to speak the truth over whatever circumstance and situation. Just like God would say it. The church needs to begin to declare the promises of God. The church needs to begin to prophesy over the body Again, this is not the time for the church to waver in its faith, but after they have done all to stand, that they should still stand. And instead of falling into the hypes and the worshiping fear, and don't get this wrong because that's what we're doing. When, when, when our lives become activated, and led and directed by fear, 
we begin worshiping fear more than worshiping God. They should begin to speak those promises over His people. You know, we, we, we should be as Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn there real quick and go to 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 9. And it says that it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria. And they're in Hazan, Tamar. And Jehoshaphat's feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations and in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disasters come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine we will still be before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Drop down to verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matania, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly, went through the whole lineage to tell you this one thing. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Are we not to proclaim the gospel to all the land? How, how then do we proclaim the gospel while promoting fear? How is it that we can be so quick and so eager to talk about the negatives and the, the negative side of everything. And we, won't, we don't want to talk about the what if God, the but gods, and the then gods, and when gods. 
We don't want to talk about, we want to talk about the matter at hand. We want to talk about the thing that is increasing the fear. And if we will be, if we will be but subtle and listen, I believe that we may find an opportunity for God and not for fear. But we got to turn our minds from the things that we focus on and the things that we are putting inside of ourselves and putting into other people. Although there are circumstances that are beyond our control and it doesn't mean that the battle can't be won. The battle still can be won. It just may not be won by you. But the battle can be won. God says there are battles that are out of our control that are His to fight. This is exactly what He told Jehoshaphat. And I believe that we are in that time where we as a church should be walking in a season of peace. More so now than ever. How do we get to this peace, Pastor? Jesus said that it's here that I offer this peace. It's, it's, I'm offering you this peace. And it's not just a peace. It's my peace that I leave with you. And it comes by way of the Spirit. Remember, remember that this peace that He offers isn't something that hasn't been tried or tested. This peace that Jesus offers us as His people, this peace has been tried through tribulation. Remember, while He walked on this earth, He walked fully man. Yes, He was fully God, but He walked fully man. And I am certain that He was faced with tribulation, that He was faced with trials, that He was faced with adversity, that if it would have been us that we would have allowed fear to supersede and to overpower our faith. But yet in Christ, he decided that he would maintain his focus, that he would continue to look at that that was set before him. His hope. His hope. And I believe that that's where the church needs to arise and needs to stand to get back to where we once were. We can't allow fear to cause these blind spots in our life. We can't allow our focus to come off of our faith anymore. We must rest in the peace of Christ and be anxious for nothing, but in all things take to Him in prayer and believe that He will do what He says that He will do. God has never let us down. He may not be there in the time that you're wanting Him to be there, but He always shows up on time. It may not go as planned in your own mind, but it will go as planned. It may not be defeated by your own hand, but it will be defeated. But as a church, I believe that this would be a, a, a call, this would be an alarm for the church that we as a church would arise that when people would begin to seek out faith in the midst and the face of adversity 
and in the face of fear that the church should stand and arise and be, begin to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Do you remember when the Bible says in, in Isaiah, I believe it was, and he, he was talking about when you pass through the waters, they will not overtake you. When you, when you walk through the floods, when you, when, you, when you walk into the fire, that it won't burn you, the flames won't overtake. Do you, do you remember when, when God is saying this? He, he, he tells us clearly that, you know, I have been telling you this all along. And this is why I've been telling you. Because you're going to face tribulation. But fear not, for I've overcome the world. Man, wouldn't it be something that the church would be able to call themselves now and to gather back around that throne and be able to rest in that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. And people would look at you and scratch their head, shake their head, wondering how in the world can you be so calm? How can you be so laid back when the world is upside down? The economy's dropping and this is happening and that's happening. And at the end of the day, you still have your faith. You still have your hope. You still have your peace. I believe that we've allowed the circumstances of this world to impede the faith of the church. Man, we are running crazy. We're running wild. We're doing things now that we that don't even make sense. You can't even find a roll of toilet paper. And it has nothing to do with the virus. We are doing things that are not biblical. We're doing things that are irrational. We're doing things that are logical. But yet you want to bring to me that, well, logic says. Or I think. Or common sense says. You, you want to tell me that when I proclaim my faith. But yet when you're going out and doing what you're doing, in the time of tribulation, in the time of mass hysteria, and you're doing things that don't even make sense, and you want to question me that what I do doesn't make sense. I'm not the one buying up a truckload of toilet paper. Honey, we are emptying, we're emptying shelves of red meat. What are we doing? What are we doing? See, when God comes and God, God defeats this battle, and he will, we'll all look back at this and we'll go, man. We lost our ever-loving mind. We have lost our mind. When, <laughs> think on these things. 
Let me go back to that real quick. Tommy, I didn't give you that. Throw that up there. Um, I didn't give it to you. Yes, I did. Philippians 4. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, and whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What are we meditating on? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? Is any of it noble? Is any of it praiseworthy? Is any of it of good report? We are constantly focusing and setting our mind on the negative. We are feeding the frenzy of fear. And we've stopped. Increasing our faith. So this is just a a word this morning that I believe that God would have put out for His church again. And that's to be in His courts thinking on the things that are of good report. Not to be so negative and not to be so fearful that we forget about our faith, but to stand in the midst of fear in our faith. So I don't know what it is that you may be struggling with. I don't, I don't know what it is that you may be that may be whirling around in your mind, your jobs and the finance and the economy and your home. Can I tell you that when all this is said and done, your finances would not have made this happen? Your finances would not have fixed this problem. Your, your job would not have fixed this problem. Your, your life would have not fixed this problem, but it will take God and God alone because it's out of your control. You can't fix it. You don't have a magic wand to wave. So instead of the worry, instead of the fear, be like Jehoshaphat. Call out to God. Position yourself for prayer. I've heard it's preached that prayer changes things and I believe that prayer can change some things, but I think the purpose of prayer is to change you. That's the key. How can I say that? Well, I back it up with this. That Jesus said to seek first the kingdom, then all the other things will be added. If you want protection, seek the kingdom. If you want peace, Seek the kingdom. If you need a right relationship, seek the kingdom. If your marriage is jacked up, seek the kingdom. 
If your job is falling apart, seek the kingdom. See, his word remains true. He said, have I not spoken, will I not perform? So before we get caught up in our fear and we stand on fear alone, let's get in the face of fear and stand in our faith. And I promise God will still be God at the end of the day. He's never failed. He never will. He said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he'll draw close to those that draw near to him. So what will it be? Will it be fear or will it be faith? Which one will dictate your life? What path will you walk? Don't get caught up in what the fear presents. Better yet, face fear that's transparent. Cause it to become transparent. See past it. It's not that it's not there. See past it. Don't live by it. Live by faith. Sorry we couldn't get together and this is a probably a shocker to those that come here on a steady um, but I don't want to drag this to a certain extent. Um, it's hard enough to stand and just speak to a camera. But I believe that this was a timely word. This was, this was a word that you need as a Christian. That it's not that fear will, fear is inevitable. I believe that you'll always face a fear. But I think faith should be unfailing. Faith should always overtake fear so this week instead of looking at the bad and what can happen what might be and what's being said that will come just remember when remember when God showed up remember when he took you through the past because he'll do the same thing today Father today I just thank you again for you being God. I thank you for being the one that is constant. You're the only constant in our life. God, if we walk by this world and what it presents, we are all over the place. We're happy one minute. We're angry the next. We're, we're married today, divorced tomorrow. I mean, when we walk through this world based on what this world has to offer, our lives are so inconsistent. So God, I want to thank you today for being our constant. Father, I thank you for your protection. Father, have you, have you not covered us under your wings? Have you not covered us by your feathers? Have you not set us in the hands, Father, of your own, and where disease could not pull us and where we're distraught, could not pull us. We're, we're anything in our lives, God, could not reach into your hands and pluck us away from you. Father, I thank you for your divine protection and for what you see for your people in the coming days. And God, we will be victorious because there are more with us than those that stand against us. So, Father, today, allow us to rejoice in you. 
Allow us to set our mind on these things, those things that are good and good report and pure, praiseworthy. Father, that our faith increase and our fear decrease. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be closed up until further notice. We'll continue to do online online streaming. Um, So next Sunday we'll plan to be doing this again. And uh, if something happens between now and then, then so be it. Uh, But at this point, we'll be doing live streaming. I'll try to come on Facebook Live a couple times during the week just to do little little nuggets. Um, If you've got any questions in reference to giving online, there's a barcode there that you can scan with your phone. Um, On that, we would ask that you would continue to give, even though you're not here. Um, We would still ask that you would give tithes and offerings according to what's laid on your heart. Um, you can mail it if you need to mail it. If you don't know how to do the technology, you can mail it. Um, I would say that you could bring it by the church, but I'm not sure when somebody would be here and when they would not be here. Um, so it's better just to mail it or to go online and give. If you've got any questions of that, you can reach out um, to the church um, at the email at office at gate at office at onechurchroanoke.com or um, you can email me directly at rocky at onechurchroanoke.com and we'll be glad to answer any questions you got in reference to the giving um, schedules and things of that nature. As of right now, everything is on postponed um, until further notice. Our women's group and our men's group, um, we're putting that stuff off um, until we're allotted time to get back together. So other than that, God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget, stand in your faith. I love you. God bless.